Welcome to the No Coder Podcast. In today's episode, you get the audio version of a conversation with Emmanuel Strachnov from Bubble. We're living in a digital world, but only 0.3% of professionals know how to program, how to code. How can we keep going with only 0.3% doing the development work to create everything that the other 99.7% of professionals who need to use in their work? Recently, a group of companies has started to challenge this status quo. These companies are building what have become known as no-code solutions or no-code tools, tools that allow non-technical people to create digital products. In this series of videos, we're going to talk to some of the people behind these companies. These are some of the movers and the shakers that are helping to push forward the no-code movement. Today we're receiving Emmanuel Sresnov uh, from Bubble. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about where the company comes from, how they got to where they are today, and what's his outlook on the no-code space going forward. Emmanuel, thank you for taking the time to join us. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's great to be here. Thank you. So I guess we should start from the beginning. Where came the, where the, the idea for Bubble came from? What made you guys think about creating a no-code development tool? Right. So we started in 2012, actually. So way before no-code was a thing. And so we started this really with the idea that people should be able to build products and in particular start companies without uh, technical resources. And the idea originally is a story behind the idea is actually not my idea. I joined Josh uh, a few months in, like a couple of months after he started working on this. His experience was he st started as a technical co-founder for someone else who was building uh, a niche product that was making one specific job much easier. It was a professional image keyword, so people putting uh, keywords on pictures. And the person was a professional uh, of the field, and he had a better idea for a tool. And so they built that together. But the problem is, uh, and they didn't, Josh didn't really do his due diligence when he joined him, was that you only have like a few hundred people in the world at that time that has a job. And so the market was too small. And because of work, and they had, so they launched a the product, they had like a ton of users among those few hundred people. They were very happy, they were paying, but it was not enough to sustain uh, both people. And so Josh ended up quitting. And when he quit, because he was a technical co-founder, it kind of killed the company. And he felt pretty bad about it because um, it was clearly a piece of software that was making some people's life easier. Not many, but it was clearly making a difference. And had this co-founder, we really had the product vision because Josh was really the transcriber of the product in code. If, uh, had this co-founder been able to do that himself without engineers, it would have been a great lifestyle business that would definitely have improved the life, again, of the users without becoming the next Facebook. And so when Josh quit, it felt pretty bad. Like emotionally, he was like, that, that sucks. Like this piece of software ought to exist and it can't because it's just too expensive to create it. And so that's how he started building the product. And eight years later, again, no code now today is, you know, it's a hot thing. People yeah. talk a lot about it. Um, but eight years later, we still haven't changed the mission and the vision. The vision is still, you know, make sure that people 
who need to uh, create software can do it regardless of how big the market opportunity is and regardless of their financial resources. So you have an idea either for yourself, for you know, your family, your company, or like this guy, you know, for a group, but a small group of users because you know, it's a particular location or a particular job, you can still access to software. Quite interesting. And how did you came into this, into this, uh, into this place? Because you told what your co-founder was doing, and then how did uh, how he discovered you, and how did you came into this project? Yeah. So, um, so Josh started working this, I think, in like January or February 2012. Pretty quickly realized that it was too big of a project for just one guy. And so he put the word out to find a tech co-founder, uh, not a tech co-founder, sorry, a co-founder, period. And so some of his friends uh, from college, he went to Harvard College. At that time, I was at Harvard Business School. So some of his friends from college went to the business school with me, and someone made the introduction, and then we just met. The, the funny story is that we, um, we actually parted in our first coffee meeting because when I met him, I already had a job landed and I was about to accept the offer. Um, and it was like, okay, we just had one coffee and then he was like, do you want to give it a try? And I was like, yes, let's do it. Then, you know, eight years and a half later, here we are. Yeah. And now, as you said, right now, no code is, is this hot topic. But uh, from this perspective, Bubble is kind of like the grandfather of no code tools because it's the tool that's been around the longest in this space where uh, there is no, uh, no semblance of programming language involved, right? There, there are a few other tools that have been around for a while, but they have more of a visual uh, logic building kind of feel. To it. like, it's like you still write the code, just instead of using the words, you use the images. Right. But uh, Bubbles is like the first tool that I've known that gave you uh something which is further removed like a, a higher abstraction on on creating this so um from this perspective there there there's a lot that still there is looked up at bubble as being like the the older brother i think that would be better than the grandfather because the age difference isn't that big no, but, no, I'm please. sorry. They, they are the godfather in this market. <laughs> God, godfather, I like. Grandfather, please. <laughs> Still have my hair. Yeah, but uh, so I guess um, my my question from from all that is, where do you guys see uh, Bubble going forward over the next couple of years in terms of how it's going to evolve? So, so there are two questions here, right? How will Bubble evolve and how the entire space will evolve? Yeah. So as you're saying, I mean, I don't know if I should call myself the godfather, I'll let you do that. <laughs> We're certainly the earlier player of the new generation of local tools. Uh, and because we've been doing that for so long compared to the other guys, we were able to choose a different strategy than most of the other players, which is let's create something very open-ended where you can do pretty much anything you want, but with a learning curve. And you know the freedom of doing whatever you want comes with the freedom of making mistakes sometimes. I would say what makes Bubble different from pretty much all the other tools today is that you can go wrong with Bubble. You can have bugs in Bubble. In fact, you know we had a debugger 
if you use Bubble, to help you understand why what you define in the editor turns out to work that way in production, in run mode. Um, and I'm using that, um, I'm saying that because that's quite important when you see how the different players are going to evolve. I think because we started so early and we were very committed to this open-endedness, we chose that path and the other players have chosen a narrower use case where it's easier to use them, but then you get locked in into that use case. And so what I'm envisioning happening in the no-code space is we're going to keep a narrow trajectory because we're going to make the product easier to use, but we're never going to remove that freedom. We just can't. Like our users would not understand that. And the other players will be, um, the other players will probably have a pretty hard time widening how much the product can do because it's a very different approach. Our approach with our users is to tell them you're going to have to learn for like five to 10 hours first, while other players say you can learn that in a few minutes. So that's how I see the space evolving. Most of the tools at the vertical, each vertical doing a very good job. You know, Webflow is great if you want a CMS, like a landing page, it's, it's awesome. But if you want to create, have something much more open-ended, we'll be that tool. So what, obviously I'm biased, but I think our approach is a winning one because you want to create a platform where people don't leave the, the, your, your tool. And so because we created a system that's very open-ended, it's very challenging technically for us. It's a hard job, but we have a shot at keeping people over the lifespan of the entire product. And so for us, the next three, two, two years, I read about, you know, making sure we can deliver on that promise, which is, you know, when you start having a company aggressively scaling with a product built on bubble, making sure things work smoothly, having a better educational system, because again, we really embrace the fact that you have a learning curve with us. Um, and so keep pushing in these things as hard as we can and keep growing. For many years when we started, growth was not the goal because the market wasn't really there. So that's why we could you know, focus so hard on building the feature set because we had users, we actually had revenue. You know, We bootstrapped our company for like seven years. So we're making a little bit of money, but it's not like the whole world was looking at us and the space as they are today. Today, the opportunity is here, and so we need to hit it hard, and that's what I'm planning on doing in the coming months, you know? and right after I'm done with this. <laughs> that's great, great, great to know. And what about the name? Why is well, the, the idea of calling this a, a no-code technical product bubble? Um, well, we, we had a few beers when we decided on that word, <laughs> uh, which, which made it a little bit easier. Um, th that said, though, Bubble, uh, because it's actually true, we had some beers uh, when we decided on the name, but Bubble had the right feel that we wanted, which is we didn't want to be, you know, a builder or something like this. We wanted something very generic uh, and something that is approachable and playful because at core, I don't consider Bubble, I mean, Bubble is a no-code tool, but what I'm aspiring to be if we succeed, which is, I think, one of the most important companies in the world because people that are going to make programming easy and accessible will, will be as big as Microsoft, you know. I, I, what I, at core, what the company is about is empowerment, empowering, you know, enabling people to do what used to be complicated easier and faster, like in an easier and faster way. And Bubble was a great world for that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't consider our company just being like a pro, a platform, an editor. I'm hoping we can be much more than that. Yeah, and I agree with you. You can do a lot of things much easier with Bubble than trying to do in a, in a let's call, regular manner, developing and writing code. It's exactly. very complicated, and you can do it faster using Bubble for sure.
that's right yeah one area in which uh, bubble is is quite uh, different for for people who come from a technical background uh, is in the in the designer uh, designer seems to follow rules which are different from what you're generally used in other tools which give you a visual designer for interfaces that kind of thing so that's one area in which um i i'd like to ask you are, are there any uh, plans on evolving that to in, encompass more of the uh the, the features or the the way in which you people are more used to design when they're coming from a a, a technical background i understand that if you if you don't if you haven't been using a design tool, you haven't been using a visual development tool, a uh, more traditional one, then it actually there's nothing absolutely different about it. It's the way it is. But since, it, as you say, it's an op a very open-ended tool, it, it tends to end up being where developers that are looking for uh, a faster way to develop uh, gravitate towards, right? Yep. Yes, we are looking at options here. Um, it's it's a tough one, right? Because a lot of our users are like, you know, business people with a strong product sense, but business people, and they love how you can put elements on the bubble page exactly where, wherever you want. Like you have a ton of freedom there. Designers on the flip side that are used, you know, to design systems, uh, design guidelines, web flow type approach, where you know you have to drag and drop exactly where the software has decided you can. Mm -hmm. can get a little bit frustrated at first. We are, and you, we need to find the right balance and it's not simple. We are moving, we're actually working currently on a very new uh, responsive engine uh, that is gonna get closer to traditional design tools. So to be a little bit technical, like probably using Flexbox as the underlying technology instead of our custom JavaScript based technology that we have currently. So we are working on things like that. How far we'll go is actually something we're still testing. So we're definitely going to get closer to the tools engineer, uh, designers and front-end engineers are used to using. We will make sure, though, not to alienate our uh, business um, business user crowd um, audience because they are they love Bubble precisely for the reason that it's very flexible. There, there were. Um... I know that is, is this is kind of removed in the past now. now it comes from the, the gray hair. Uh, there was the, <laughs> this whole crop of visual development tools for, for desktop, which kind of mixed both things. Like you could just place a control wherever you wanted, but then also you had the option of, of with some kind of container control saying, well, this one sticks to the top, this one sticks to the side and whatever, and kind of give gave you this, uh, ability to choose if you wanted to just place stuff wherever uh, in solid positions or you wanted things to go around in the kind of a relative position. I think is that something about what you were describing? Yes. Um, the, the real challenge, though, I mean, you can already do that in Bubble today. We have, you know, what we call a floating group that you can float to the top or to the left. We can do all of that. The problem is responsiveness. And it's something that apps like the the software uh, you're mentioning that was like 50, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, they're great, but they didn't have to worry about responsiveness. Responsiveness is something that was introduced by phones because now people can look at web applications on their phone. Uh, and that's what makes the problem more complicated. So 
the traditional approach, like by the Webflow and other design tools, is you're not going to be able to do whatever you want, but we'll make sure it works great because we've already defined what the grid looks like. Our approach so far is you can do whatever you want. It will not be pretty at first on phone, but we're going to give you all the tools to make it pretty. And it, it can be. I mean, a lot of bubble apps are beautiful on phones, but it does take some work. We're trying to find if there is like a sweet spot here. So that's what we're working on. Interesting. One thing, uh, Manuel, considering the, the whole amount of people that are using Bubble right now, and of course, the people are coming into Bubble as well. So you are guys, you guys are growing. And you are seeing more tools being created for people that want to start up something, some job, some uh, new company, some innovative product, or are you guys ex experiencing more people using the, the tool into the corporate arena, into the big companies, into people that already have IT departments now starting to look to Bubble as a, as a tool to give them more freedom to innovate. Do, 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 do you guys can see where, where, it, where people is, more, is using the, the tool more to, to one or the other, or it's mixed? 100% definitely more startups, small businesses and individuals. Not 100%. Like, we do have a few, like, very large companies using us, but it's just because, you know, one team uses us yeah. without the IT department knowing. Like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know if this... And, and they don't even pay us that much. I mean, they pay, you know, the same personal plan or professional plan that... Oh, we don't have any particular deal. Like, a few years ago, Airbus, you know, the plane... Um, yeah. ...was using us quite a bit, actually. They had a few apps, but that was just, you know, a few teams here and there. We'll move up market at some point, but we're very happy with our current focus, which is, you know, individual and small companies. The reason for that is it kind of comes down a little bit to what you want to achieve. If you want to make a lot of money quickly, enterprise is fantastic. And, you know, very big deals, you know, try to negotiate a deal with an entire, you know, 400, 500 company. You can strike, you know, I don't know, $1 million a month a year deal. This is great. And a lot of businesses have been very successful doing this. It's not, ex I mean, I'm not going to say we don't want to be financially successful, but what we want to achieve uh, fundamentally is, because I think that has more potential to be very big down the line, is to be the platform where people build things. Like the new standard platform that when someone wants to build a website, an app, a desktop software, an iPhone app, whatever the platform is, they come to Bubble. And to do that, you need a ton of users. It's yeah. as simple as that. You need an ecosystem. You need like millions of users, even if it's free, because that means 10 years from now, someone in high school has an idea for an app. He's like, oh, I can use Bubble because his older brother told him, hey, you can use Bubble, right? And to do that, being in the enterprise space is difficult because by definition, it's going to be something captive inside the big company toolkit. If you are with the individuals, like currently we have a pretty hard push on universities, you know, distributing up, trying to, come to universities to teach bubble boot camps, to teach people how to use bubble. Yeah. That's how you define, you create a big ecosystem of users. Yeah, and and it, it makes a huge difference in how you grow a community as well. You grow um, a user base, as you said, because uh, from personal experience I've used, and Alexandra also has used OutSystems, which is a low code yep. tool. It's a very fine tool, allows you to create uh, just every sort of application that you want that's web-based. But 
you can't really use it to create a new business because it starts out at, I don't know, $40,000 a year. So Right. It's just a different pricing, different business model, yeah. different way to serve your customers. Um, one thing I would say that I think it will be easier for us to move up market than for them to move down market because their, their business is built around the fact that to use their tool, you need to pay $40,000 a year. And so the amount of service they can offer is very different. We're a self-serve solution. You know, we have like probably 30,000 uh, monthly active users currently using the editor. Most of them never reach out to us because the product is self-explanatory and enterprise tools are not like that. Yeah, but I agree with you that I've, now I read that you guys are entering into the college and the university, like, like teaching courses, how to use Bubble to create your application, so these kind of things. And of course, it, uh, doing this, more and more people will get used to use Bubble to create whatever they want. So at the moment that these guys decide to go to work for big companies and they have their ideas to put in place, they will probably do it using Bubble. That's so exactly Bubble, that. That's Bubbles exactly the strategy. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's already happening. You know, when Airbus yeah. uses us, um, where we're not equipped is so. In fact, it happened with Airbus where they started putting in Danone as well, the French, you know, yogurt yeah. company, yeah. where they started putting us through the process of, you know, talking to the IT committee and, you know, cloud security committee and everything. And honestly, for that, it's not our focus. We're not equipped to deal with this, which is much more about, you know, legal aspects and compliance and technology. Uh, and so that will wait a little bit. We'll get there. Yeah, for the, for the internal labs, for the innovation process, and for all this process, I think that Bubble is a it's a great tool to to work with. I came, I'm I was a CIO of international companies, so I was the IT guy. I understand your point very well in terms of maybe that's not the correct tool, considering the governance and all the kinds of things that usually you have inside big corporations. Right. But at the moment that you want to innovate and move faster and create different products and experience, Bubble is much easier and much faster than the usual solutions that people try to put in place. So that's the direction that I imagine that Bubble will grow very fast because it's an interesting thing. I use it, Bubble, inside the company that I worked for when I challenged my team to do something. They could not do the thing that I asked them to do, I said, okay, I will solve the problem myself. And then I discovered Bubble and I developed the solution. I said, okay, guys, the CIO guy can do it and you, the technical people, can't. What is happening here? Awesome. Great to hear. <laughs> I guess the, the the approach you guys are taking is very similar then to the, the, the route that Microsoft took to becoming uh, a dominant player in the market, which was to ensure that you get as many people as possible using the tool at a, at a, a starting level and then being uh, the tool that comes to mind for people when they want to do something because of the one that they know how to do, how to use, then you actually along as time goes by, you penetrate companies and you and you start to, I would, you know, just make a pun here. You kind of bowl up to yeah. <laughs> the next layer of applications. I mean, Microsoft is personally the company I have the most respect for. And I think the most transformative company for the tech industry and beyond, actually, even the world. So, yeah, that's very much a source of inspiration for us. So uh, in this in this space, just uh, to, to follow up, 
um, you you see you, you seem to 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 be taking now a a more structured approach to how you get the, the information to people. Like you said, you were going to universities with a boot camp strategy. Yeah. So um, in, in terms of open content on how to use the tool, this kind of thing, is that something where you guys are going to do uh, be pushing as well? Yeah. So we started the Bubble Academy, I think, three, four months ago started producing more videos. Currently, we have three courses, and each course is about you know, 10, 15 videos. And we're going to keep pushing on that uh, constantly. So that's one part as a self-service uh, educational portal that it's still nascent, but uh, we're doing a lot of work there. We're doing an overhaul of our written documentation, merging you know, what we call the user manual and what we call the reference. So we're doing some work there. And then there is something else we're doing, which is pretty new. and. I, we're still figuring out exactly what it's going to look like uh, in practice. So for those boot camps that we've created, we have a standard curriculum. And so we're looking at ways to maybe open source that curriculum or share some part of it so that if people want to start teaching Bubble without us being involved, they're well equipped to do this. The reason we need to do that carefully is because if we were to open source something, I want to make sure the quality is great. So you have to make sure that you publish it with the right guidelines because the worth the worst for us would be someone using our slides and providing a poor experience to their mm -hmm. students. So, but we're going to do this again. It, I could almost summarize, you know, Bubble's growth strategy to be education. Like, our goal is to grow through education because it's something we embrace. There is a learning curve in Bubble. It's going to take you a few hours, but then you have the same powers than the software engineer. Why and to become a software engineer, it's about years and thousands of hours of work. Um, but you have to learn, and so that's why education is so key for us. Interesting. If I if I was coming into the the space right now and I meet you and I say, "Hi, oh, Manuel. Great, you are creating a tool. Or you have a great tool. Why should I use Bubble? Tell me. Convince me why Bubble and not the other things into the." Into the, the into the no code arena or even into the traditional thing a traditional way of creating software because bubble is the only tool that is flexible enough to enable you to do pretty much anything you want you will never hit a dead end and even if you were to hit something that we haven't already built you can actually type code on bubble to extend the platform so to be very practical I would tell you you want to start a company like a software startup like in the marketplace type of thing, an Airbnb for a specific thing, no other tool will let you do that but Bubble. You can clone Twitter on Airbnb. You can clone Twitter on Bubble. You can clone Airbnb on Bubble. No other tool on the market will let you do that. That's why uh, you should be using us. And again, you, it will take a little bit more time to build on top on, on us, but then uh, you can have like a fully functional product. And Compared to the alternative, which is pushing uh, hiring like a team of engineers, we are probably 50 times cheaper and 10 times faster to build. One aspect that you, you didn't mention there, but I think that it's, it's also very relevant, is that Bubble seems to be uh, one of the very few companies uh, out there in the space right now that point you to a path for growth. In, in terms that you have options uh, for uh, an application being hosted on a specific server or a specific platform, that kind of thing, from what I understand. And that's something that 
uh, it's not really widespread uh, available with no-code tools. I mean, if I create a, a product which is hugely successful, which I mean, everybody wants, though, of course, obviously only 0.01% of companies created will have a, a huge user base. But if yes. I do create a business yes. which is, is very successful, uh, you do have a path for for this growth to, to, to be handled, right? We do. We, we have, in fact, a special offering for startups. Uh, it's usually startups, like usually, you know, small businesses using us don't reach that scale. But when startups start growing, they move to what we call our dedicated system, where it's exactly the same as you would have if you create an account today on Bubble and run your app on the main cluster, but you just completely isolate it from everyone else. And so what that means is um, if you start having uh, aggregate scale, you can, we can use AWS's um, technology to scale your cluster just for you. So you could have the same system that we have uh, for ourselves and all our users, you know, like 600,000 apps today on our main cluster, but just for one app. So that gives you a lot of headroom. Now, if you are Airbnb overnight or Twitter overnight, that would be challenging. I'm looking forward to having that problem. Yeah, and, problem. and you know, like <laughs> growing pains exist all, always, you know, like our larger users, sometimes, you know, they find something where we're not very efficient, where the performance is not great. We work on it, we fix it. The beauty of the model is that if we fix it for one person, we fix it for everyone because you have your own cluster, but the code is shared, you know, like it's the same code for everyone. So one improvement for one person applies to everyone. I guess what you're saying is, is something that I heard a long time ago from a fellow that was building a, a system for uh, in the health industry. And we were discussing, you know, limits in the amount of records that you could store in the database at that time. And I remember him saying, well, you know, that's the real problem that I would love to have because I would be rolling on the floor laughing if, yeah. I, if I hit that point. It, it's a great problem to have, and no one should honestly worry about that until it happens. Because I mean, you should, but you will see. In, in, even for Facebook, it did not happen overnight. You know, you still have a few months to see it happening. So very interesting. All the all the, all your history, all the things that you guys are doing. It's a great product. Uh, congratulations by what you have built until now. Uh, and one last question from me is that: What is the future? What 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 is really the future that you guys, what is the big ambition to be the next Microsoft, to be greater than Microsoft, to, to dominate all those spaces in terms of, if I want to create something, that's bubble. That's it? That's yeah. the dream? I, I don't like the word domination. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a war vocabulary that I don't really use, honestly, myself. Like, it's okay. not really my thing. But yes, I mean, more importantly, I would say, so what happens to bubble is, I, so I worked on bubble, on my own money with Josh, you know, for like uh, five years, uh, seven years before we raised money. You know, we started making some cash flow, but that's a problem I'm very, very passionate about. And whether it's, you know, it's bubble, I certainly hope so. But if it's not us, I hope someone else solved that problem. And the problem I'm talking about, you know, is how do we enable people to create software cheaply um, or for, even for free uh, so that they can use it wherever software can improve situations you know work issues personal life issues like look at covid covid created a lot of challenges for a lot of small businesses that yeah. do not have access to software we need to create a platform that makes creating software cheap because this is you know 
going forward, you know, for the next, you know, 50 years, every innovation, whether we like it or not, does not matter, happens through technology and software. Every, you know, productivity gain, anything that will make your business more efficient involves technology. It's just, that's a, that's a fact. And we need to create a tool that, uh, and a system that makes it more accessible to everyone. Otherwise, we're going to be in a world where, you know, you have a few thousand people, maybe 10, maybe at most 1 million people in the world that can build things that everybody else is using. And I found that extremely dangerous because the power to create will be kept by just a few people and other people will just be consumers and watching. So the future is, let's fix that problem. The byproduct, which I'm not going to lie, I certainly hope it happens because that means I didn't lose my life, you know, is that we are that guy. We are, you know, that platform that, you know, 10 years from now democratizes technology in the same way that Microsoft did, you know, and Apple did in the early 80s. Um, if we do that, yes, we'll be one of the most sizable companies. I wouldn't call that, you know, a dominating company. I would call it, you know, an empowering company, which, no, but I actually really mean it, though, because... You know, when you look at how uh, a company's history, the way, you know, we've been creating the business, uh, we never structured it in a way, you know, to try to, you know, sell quickly, cash out. We tried not to, we didn't fundraise at the beginning because we felt it was actually harm the goal, which was to make technology accessible. I don't think we have time to go into the reasoning why, but maybe another time. So a lot of the decisions we've made were actually not made with the goal of trying to, um, like dominate, make money, and you know, then buy an island somewhere. The goal is really let's create something that democratizes software creation. Because if we don't, we're going to be in big problems, and we're starting to see those problems today. So the future is like let's get to work and fix that. It's a long-term yeah. thing. It's not going to happen yeah. in the next years. Nice to hear. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I mean, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to join us and have this conversation. I think it's it's very interesting for the people that use the product to use the, the services and, and the no-code no space to get to know a bit more about the history of the companies and the vision that the founders have for their, their future. And it, it, you certainly share that with us today and I'm really grateful for your, for your time. Well, thank you very much for having me. That was really fun. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>